Chapter Thirty Four of the Peril Finders by George Fenn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sarah Hanna, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The Olden Folk. Pull, pull, pull! Cried Chris wildly. No, no! Came from below. I'm all right. Only a big stone I loosened. Wait a moment and then let me go on. Chris uttered a hoarse gasp and turned faint, while Ned felt the hide rope attached to the barrel turn wet and slippery in his hands. "'Go on! Gently!' cried Griggs, and the rope was once more allowed to glide steadily down. The rasping of boots on the blocks of stone below continued, and at the end of another minute ceased as Griggs shouted up. "'There! I'm all right! Standing on a big block, with the water rushing along about a foot below me. Keep tight hold now. You boys, ease down the barrel till I shout. Don't let it go when the water grabs it. Lower away. Right! I have it! Now ease a little more and a little more. Now keep tight. I'm going to force it under water. It seemed to Chris that he could see everything quite plainly as their hands which held the hide ropes were drawn lower and lower. That's right, came up in Griggs' hoarse, echoing voice, which sounded as if he were panting from the way in which he was exerting himself. And then, with the barrel rope jerking violently, the boys felt a peculiar thrill and a sensation as if the weight was increasing for what seemed, though only a few minutes, a terribly long time. All right, at last. She's full. Now then, haul up. I'm safe here, on good standing ground. To hold my rope, up with the barrel. Those at the surface needed no second order, but began to haul away. Chris's hands now growing wet as a horrible thought made him more nervous. And that thought was, what would be the consequence if the rope broke or the barrel slipped from its fastenings? He shuddered again and again at the idea. As with Bourne now helping, the barrel was drawn higher and higher, and then all at once was checked by catching against some projection. Lower it a little, whispered Chris huskily, and the weight was allowed to descend a few inches, being in the gloom as it went down. Up now, cried Chris again, and the next moments were exciting in the extreme, as he anticipated another check when the projection was reached. But Chris's gasp turned into a faint hurrah, the barrel hoops scraped over the projection, and it came up now, hand over hand, till it reached the surface. It was drawn right away to stand amongst the loose stones. Got it? came from below. Yes, cried the doctor. All right, can you climb up? There was no answer for some seconds. And then the American said in a peculiarly husky voice, Coming up, all steady. Three pairs of hands were at the rope now, and their owners exchanged glances as they kept up a steady strain feeling that Griggs was trying to climb, but jerking the line again and again as if his efforts resulted in a series of slips. After the last, the adventurer's efforts seemed to be so feeble that the haulers kept on steadily gathering in the rope hand over hand, till Griggs's hands came within reach. When Chris and Ned each seized one to give the final tug which drew him over the edge of the hole, and right away to a level spot, where he sank down, apparently quite exhausted, with a peculiarly strained look about his eyes. Feel overdone, said the doctor. A little, sir, was the faint reply. Can you give me a drop of water? This was quickly obtained, and the poor fellow swallowed it with difficulty, and then seemed to revive a little, while the doctor, who looked anxious, held one of his hands. Better now, panted Griggs. That's beautiful water, cold and sweet, but I should have to be very bad before I dared go down to get any more. I didn't know I was such a cur. I felt that it was too much for a man to do, Griggs, said the doctor quietly. So did I, sir, was the feeble reply. 
but it had to be done, and I thought I could make a better finish out of the job. I say, nice example to set you two lads. This made me feel weak as a rat. Ugh. It was very horrid when that stone gave away. I thought I was gone. It was horrible, said the doctor. There, you succeeded. I don't think any more about it. Can't help it, sir. I feel as if I must. I say, I hope that the people who lived here didn't all disappear down that hole and never come up again. It has quite unnerved you, Griggs, said the doctor kindly. I don't know about that, sir, but it has made me feel that I daren't go down that place again, even if it was to save my life. There, I'm sorry I made such an exhibition of myself. I did try to be plucky, but that place below there, with the water trying to sweep you off into the black darkness, and the end was too much for me. I believe I nearly lost my senses once. Well, he cried half fiercely after a short pause, during which he looked keenly at first one and then the other of the boys. You both got a good laugh of me this time. Did you ever see such a coward before? Come along down below there and see about a fire and a meal, said the doctor quietly. Let it go now, Griggs. You didn't feel more nervous than I did. I was worse, I believe, for I feel guilty, as well, for letting you go down. There, I don't think we shall want to get our water from that place again. Why not, said Ned suddenly. We could get some up with a bucket if there was a heavy stone in the bottom. It would only mean half a bucket full at a time, but there's no reason why we couldn't do that. Everyone glared at the speaker as if wroth with him for proposing so simple and self-evident a means of getting at the water at a time when they had only succeeded at the risk of losing a valuable life. But no one spoke. All preparing to descend the slope at the bottom of which the barrel was slung and carried between Wilton and Bourne to the spot chosen for their camp. Here a good fire was soon made, dead wood being plentiful, and over the evening meal hastily prepared, the incident of the afternoon was gravely discussed. Griggs joining in calmly enough now, for he seemed to have quite recovered his nerve. "'You'll have a good examination made of this place in the morning, sir,' he said. "'I was thinking of moving off,' said the doctor quietly, "'and getting to somewhere better suited for a temporary camp.' "'You couldn't get a better place than this, doctor,' said Griggs quietly. "'I've been thinking over what young Ned here said about dipping out water, and he's quite right. "'Don't think of going until the place has been thoroughly searched. "'I'm quite right now.' "'Very well,' said the doctor. "'We'll have another day, at all events, but I do not anticipate making much of a find here.' "'I don't know, sir,' said Griggs, gravely. "'We're getting into the gold country now, and such a place as this wouldn't have been made for nothing, nor be the living camp of a few poor wandering Indians. I shouldn't be a bit surprised to find traces of mining with furnaces and crucibles for melting the gold somewhere through these openings. They were evidently a big race of people who lived up here.' "'We shall find that out tomorrow,' said the doctor. But what about keeping watch? Do you think there's any danger of Indians tracing us here? Not a bit, sir, replied the American. They don't care much for these rocky parts. They like the plains, where their horses feel at home. But there must have been a big tribe here. No, sir, not of Indians such as rode the plains. There must have been a different kind of people, miners and builders. Your regular Red Indian thinks of nothing but his horse, his hunting, and a fight with his enemies so as to get plunder. The people who mined for gold were a different kind of folk altogether. "'Well, we shall see tomorrow,' said the doctor. "'There are sure to be some traces of them in their old homes.' "'I don't care what they were or what they did,' said Chris that night, as they laid down to sleep in the dark bottom of the depression, gazing up at the great lustrous stars. "'But I don't want any more water got like that. Ugh! It almost had a nasty taste when it was made in a tea. Didn't you notice it?' he said after a pause, but there was no reply. 
i say didn't you notice that the water seemed to taste nasty said chris a little louder but still there was no reply oh what a fellow you are cried the boy impatiently such a one as you are for eating and noticing everything i should have thought you'd have had something to say about it asleep again why well, i couldn't sleep after what we've gone through today even if i tried that was chris's opinion but he evidently could sleep without trying for the next minute he was breathing heavily and without a single troublous dream born of the perils of the day End of chapter recording by sarah hannah